0: Welcome back to a new episode of it, of It Is What It Is. I'm your host, Cody Kelly, and I'm so excited to be with you today. We're going to cover a few things, uh, look at a few investments, things I've been keeping my eye on in the market. Uh, the official release of the IPO of ProSite Global, uh, and kind of their strategy and their expectations, not endorsing anything. Do not want to get in trouble with the SEC, but definitely want to cover uh, some interesting movements within the marketplace, some NBA news uh some current events and just hit you on know, just some overall topics so we can recap the week of july the 21st. Uh this is gonna be an exciting episode stay tuned. So going over ProSight Global, so it launched its official IPO of 8.8 million common shares, uh which is expected to be priced between $16 per share and $18. Uh, per share uh, the company is also offering 3.5 million shares and selling stockholders um, offerings of 5.2 million shares so uh, though the stockholders and what this means basically they'll have a 30-day option you know, to purchase up to an additional an additional 1.3 million shares from uh, the current uh, stockholders uh, so a lot of times um, depending on the options on the the equity of the asset uh, a certain amount of common shares will be allocated and within those um they'll basically have an additional time frame from those who've already purchased to gain additional shares before the i p o officially closes and this is a almost like a a round of uh funding in a sense so uh the the pro site itself uh will be listed in the New York stock Exchange under the symbol pro so that is p r o s Uh, Goldman Sachs uh, Company and Barclays uh, acted as the joint lead book running managers for this offering. Uh, The Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, also acted as a book running manager for the offering. Dowling Partners and Keefe, Broiette and Woods, SunTrust, Robinson, Humphreys, and Citizens Capital Markets also acted as co-managers for the offering. So they they went through the proper channels uh, to get this adequately priced and properly priced. Usually, uh, 16 to $18 is honestly probably a good starting point. Uh, when you start talking about listing it publicly, um, in your first IPO release, I, I remember when Lyft came out, I think on the first day, it got up to like $80, and now it's like hovering around $55. Uh, the problem is, if you start and you really get a high um, IPO price uh, listing, the potential. To gain uh, quicker money or, or faster money is definitely there. Uh, but the drop-off, to me, is is almost inevitable. Usually when there's a 16, 18, you, you have a solid investment, something that you can have for five years. Something that probably within five years would be selling around 30 to $40 a share. Uh, so this is for the long-term whole. Uh, this is not a quick fix. Uh, but it's definitely something to look into. I mean, do your research. The founded in 2009. It's headquartered in Morristown, New Jersey. Uh, ProSite is... Uh, global Incorporated, excuse me, is an entrepreneurial property and casualty insurance company uh, that designs insurance solutions intended to help customers improve their business realize value from their insurance purchasing decision. The company focuses on select niche industries, deploying differentiated underwriting and claims expertise. So um, it's good. I, I like seeing more and more activity in the marketplace. That That's signs of a strong economy. This is something that you might want to look into. I don't know personally uh, what I'm going to do as far as um, looking into the transaction of ProSight, uh, but this is definitely a good sign. I'm starting to see really a lot of insurance companies. I mean, if it's AXA, uh, Equitable, and uh, really going public, and it's good. Obviously, it's good for capital raising. It's good um, for the overall brand strategy, and I, I think if you can get in on this early, uh, there's definitely added benefit. Uh, but just keep your eyes out. Uh, ProSite uh, it's New York Stock Exchange symbol. It is located under pros. want to switch focus here to some NBA news. Kind of look at the uh, NBA uh, landscape, the Lakers strategy. Uh, seems like there's been a lot of movement. Uh, unfortunately, the Lakers did not land Kawhi Leonard. Uh, but they still have three options uh, with their final roster spot. They have surrounded the team with shooters. With the additions of Danny Green, um, you're looking at uh, just some standout players. That the pickup of Demarcus Cousins was huge. I, I really think that was a a sleeper. Uh, well done on the Lakers side for that. Uh, you know, landing AD always was the goal and always will be. It seems like AD it definitely is the future uh, when it comes to the NBA. Uh, AD is definitely special. Uh, And just a transformative player. I really think the Lakers have the team to win it all next season. They're still lacking uh, some depth and some shooting. I really really like them to go out and get like a Kyle Korver. Andre Iguodala is still out on the market. To me, he's the best piece left out there. And to me, he's the missing piece to a championship. When you look at his performance in the championship, in the last five final series, he has been stellar. He has a finals MVP and he came off the bench. Andre Iguodala uh, is that guy Um, when it comes to just impact and uh, cerebralness and awareness and IQ and athleticism, just the overall total package. He is built for the playoffs. If you're looking for Iggy to average 30 in the regular season, probably will not happen. But if you're looking for that person to put you over the top and just to be a a dominant presence and and transformative figure in the late rounds in the playoffs and then ultimately in the NBA Finals, He's the missing link. If I were the Lakers, I would encourage uh, management to go after him with everything. Uh, Go over the cap, do whatever you got to do because he will be needed. Unfortunately, we didn't get D'Angelo Russell. I would have liked to see that acquisition, but I really think they're still on the right path. I really think they have the strongest team from top to bottom, not just in the West but in the NBA. To me, the only other team that is as threatening everybody is random raving about Russell to the Rockets, but I I still have to I think they're two dynamic players, but I just have to see it work on the court. My eyes really is on the East. If Giannis takes the next step, and I believe he will, Milwaukee will be the team coming out of the East. Everybody's saying Philly, but I just have enough faith that Giannis really is that good. I really think um, he still is underrated. We really don't know what his potential can be and he's still developing uh, just a freak in nature, just an amazing athlete, just an amazing seem like person to me. He really is the future of the NBA, but I'm, I'm looking, uh, Miami's putting together a formidable team. Uh, the bulls have some young pieces and it's just going to be a great NBA season. I want to cover my top five sports analysts, uh, Just currently right now that I think we have to, you know, because we're always evaluating uh, players, but we never take time to evaluate those who do the evaluation. It seems like, you know, how are they off limits? But I think if we had to list five individuals who are impactful and strategic in the sports landscape, this would be my top five. Number one, Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith is sports talk radio. Stephen A. Smith is sports commentary. Stephen A. Smith is ESPN. If Stephen A. Smith were to retire today, I would literally delete my ESPN app. And I and I mean that. Like he is the voice of sports. He is what Bob Costas was. Um even a more uh defined level. He is um what uh, peter jennings was to abc news i mean stephen a smith uh, to me has the not just qualifications but the persona the the charismatic appeal the entertainment value the access and the respect uh, from player and analysts alike um and and to me he's just the GOAT. my number two is Skip Bayless? You cannot say Stephen A. Smith, and I know, and I realize they don't work together anymore, but you cannot say Stephen A. Smith's name and not mention Skip Bayless. The only reason Skip Bayless probably isn't number one is because he may be just a bit older, and by the time you really got into Skip, you know, the newer millennial generation, then all of a sudden now he's on FS1. He kind of you know lost. Uh, To me, the true value. But Skip is the even change to Stephen A. Smith. I mean, Skip Bayless, to me, embodies um, what true sports analyst, professionalism, going against the grain. Not always having the popular opinion, but always having the most respected opinion. Skip Bayless is somebody. If you take Skip off of Fox Sports, there is no Fox Sports. I mean, Skip Bayless literally... Like, there are a few... I always say there are a few individuals that can walk into any arena. You just kind of have to bow out gracefully. Like, if I'm up preaching and T.D. Jakes walks in, I'm probably going to yield the mic, right? Like, there's just certain individuals who, if they walk in, there's nothing you can do, right? The Michael Jacksons of the world, the Beyonce's of the world, Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless are there. That's my one and two. My number three is Doris Burke. Doris Burke, fantastic reporter, fantastic analyst. Her and Jackie McCullum, I would almost say, are tied for that third spot. Uh, Jackie is a legend. Uh, covered the Boston Globe, uh, covered Larry Bird. I mean, I it's it's hard to defend emphatically, uh, but I really think uh, as far as number three, they have it in hand. Jameel Hill, Jameel Hill, to me, could be in my top two. Jameel Hill is still ascending. Uh, like I, I I think you know, like I don't think Stephen A Smith can get any higher. I think you know these people, these individuals have kind of climaxed in the, in their attainment of 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 just um, impact and effect and influence. But Jamil Hill is ascending. I mean, Jamil Hill, to me is the future of not just sports uh, analysts, uh, but political commentary, uh, culture commentary. I mean Jamil Hill is a voice of influence. If there is anyone on the list who has more influence in all sectors, it's Jameel Hill. So, shout out to Jameel Hill. Love to be on the show. Love to be an invited guest. Huge fan. Jameel Hill is somebody. Uh, And then my number five, I have to give a shout out, Colin Coward. He's not, he always goes against the grain. People accuse him of being too hard on Russell Westbrook. But Colin Coward, I will say this, is consistent. He is opinion his he he doesn't really you know jump off the ship. Uh, he was a LeBron supporter before, He's still with LeBron. He supports player mobility. He supports the players. Yet he doesn't in a way like if Colin Coward was a politician, he would be Joe Biden. He is the, he is an ultimate centrist. He's not gonna be too far left, too far right. Colin Coward is gonna always kind of drive it right in the middle. So I appreciate Colin Coward. I appreciate what he brings to the sports landscape, and this is my top five. Big shout out to uh, Ilhan Omar, to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, to um, Rashida Talib, to Ayanna Presley. Huge fan, support what they do. I believe. In their talent, uh, their vision for the United States, these duly elected congresswomen, uh, state representatives, I apologize, I should have properly addressed them. They're absolutely fantastic. Uh, Shout out for the courage that they have, for the uh, boldness, um, the ability to stand against controversy and ignorance. Uh, These four congresswomen, who three of them are born right here in the United States. Another one is a naturalized citizen, refugee from Somalia are doing it the right way, are fantastic, uh, have taken the necessary uh, procedures and steps to defend the truth of what America needs to become. And I think we need to give more respect to these four great leaders and and stop looking for ways to divide and stop looking for ways to punish difference. And that's all it is. Uh, So shout out to them. article written by eric rosenbaum Uh, his article is entitled that uh, delta says that the next big battle between airlines will take place on the ground Um, it's covered by cnbc it just points out that because of recent profits in a strong u.s economy has given airlines the opportunity to invest more in the airport experience many airports are setting new monthly passenger records and Delta Airlines thinks that it can get a leg up on the competition as edge on fares and in cabin services become more limited. Uh, basically, because the economy has improved and travel is becoming more common, air travel, I believe that airlines understand the necessity to differentiate that what separates you from the next airline. Uh, it's going to be availability, it's going to be price, it's going to be the experience, especially when you hear of terrible experiences with passengers, and it's going to be innovativeness. It's almost like there's a rush to become the Uber of the air. Warren Buffett uh, of Berkshire Hathaway is one of the sector's biggest investors in the recent years. After a wave of consolidation... Has brought the fleets closer to the almost monopoly conditions he looks for in businesses. But in other recent highs in air travels and not so positive airports all over the country, is settling is setting new records in multi-passenger levels. I know in O'Hare, Chicago, they are about to begin construction for the basically remodel of the O'Hare Airport experience. Um, they've already awarded the contract to the architect who will be doing it. Midway is going through internal uh, transformation, Midway Airport, and it's just there's an understanding that the airport experience has to be different. The status quo of what used to work 20-30 years ago no longer is a recipe for success, and companies are going to have to adapt. This adaptation is necessary for the continuance of progress. It's just inevitable. It's nothing to shy away from or to look down upon. It's just with all businesses, when you get to a certain level, you have to invest within. You have to transform or take a shift forward. So as the airport experience remains one of the worst legs in traveler's journey, major airlines flush with money for reinvestment are making the on-ground experience a greater focus on their efforts to outcompete rival carriers. Paul Jacobson, the executive VP and CFO of Delta, said that I think... The next area of competition of competition in air travel is in the airport itself. And basically, it's if I'm waiting for a flight, if I go to this hub uh, to catch my aircraft carrier to whatever destination that I'm going to, it has to be memorable that I want to come back and I want to go through this process again. There has to be a separating marker between... Traveling to the airport, being in the airport, getting on the plane, arriving safely. So those kind of indicators, um, that four-pronged message of uh, uh, traveling to the airport, getting uh, being at the airport, waiting for the plane, that third one, and then being in the plane, arriving safely, has to be an interconnected venture. And when there is a disconnect, it creates an unfavorable experience that deters travelers and ultimately hurts the business. Just looking uh, for elements to bring about an ease of travel, more affordability. I would say, honestly, the the only reason why um, the airplane industry is not intersecting with the car industry is because... Of fear I think the the company that can come up with something that is in between air travel and car travel and I don't know what that will necessarily be will be the one that has the dominant advantage because I think everybody wants to get to their destinations fast safe and as comfortable as possible if you ask any traveler I want it to be safe safety first right I want to be safe I want it to be as fast as possible if I can do it in 10 minutes versus 30 minutes why not that means i can you know live uh further out i can leave later i can really put it on my time uh, so i want to get there as fast as possible and i want to be comfortable as possible as, as as comfort plays a huge um ordeal and it's not uh just extra leg room it's 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 comfortable in this logistics and actually obtaining these uh, traveling carriers is it's it's the the comfort of being in an airport is the comfort of having enough uh, spaces to charge my phone. It's the comfort of being in a culture, in a business surrounding that feels more like a almost temporary lodging uh, than it does an actual air hub or airport. Uh, so I think kind of when you look at this, you understand that there's a necessity for air trap for airport and air. Way travel and that this is only going to grow in demand, and you can't just keep building highways, right? Um, some stats look at only six uh, percent more airports have built have been built in the U.S. since 1980, despite 181 percent more domestic passengers, which is problematic. Uh, they can't build another four-lane or four-line highway to the airport, Taylor said. Most of the airports are shoehorned into areas never meant to handle this much traffic. And that's that's what I'm talking about. This the ease of getting to the airport. I mean, getting to a is absolutely terrible. <laughs> Trying to get to Rosemont, like, uh, no matter where you live in the city, it's just, it's a bottleneck. Trying to navigate safely to an area to get me to another area has to be easier and, and is really encompassing the the fact that people are more stressed uh, on the airport on the way to the airport and the airlines waiting to board, going through TSA. And pre-checked and, and clear and all these things have helped uh, advance uh, the ease of navigating through, but there has to be a more privatized, and I don't mean like privatized as far as ownership, but a more customized experience for the traveler. If you're going to spend all this money it has to be tailor-made to fit you. And when airports and airlines figure that out, they'll have the competitive advantage. Came across an interesting article uh, written by Megan Graham. Uh, states that as Instagram tests is like ban, influencers will have to shift tactics to make More money. Some of the key points that she points out is that Instagram recently kicked off a test to hide the number of likes a user post has received. The Facebook-owned platform is a major draw for influencer marketing. Here's what the likes test could mean for influencers and brands working with them on Instagram. So basically, Instagram is hiding its likes to create a more positive environment. Uh, There's a feel that there's a vanity metric that has been applied uh, because of recent, uh, maybe societal pressures, but just because of the way the system was set up. And evaluations are negatively impacting imagery due to the amount of likes or not likes. So, to hide this or to deter from this type of negative impact, this test of hiding likes has been expanded. Uh, I think it's a great thing. Uh, this will likely mean a continued shift away, like you said, from vanity metrics uh like flout, follower counts um and toward actual sales trying to distinguish that it's I think its impact on business and and I have to agree with uh Megan is the shift to uh the video content as you're leaning less and less on likes. Uh Ryan Detert, CEO of influence marketing company, uh Influential said that the change may have the effect of drying up the economy for fraudulent likes. So you can't buy you know, likes and, and, and fake followers on Instagram since they no longer be a valuable source when it comes to showing engagement. Um, but what you will start seeing is the push uh, for video content, uh, the pivot to video, um, because as the kind of like features goes away and all of a sudden a meme or, or a sentence, a picture is not carrying the gravity uh, that it once had, now you have to go back to almost a social or a digital infomercial. That's really what it is, is a digital infomercial. It'll be more creative and less cheesy actors, but ultimately it's the same goal. The The goal of Facebook and Instagram is to push users to stories, since they believe the future is in short-form videos, not static images nor the newsfeed, he said in the email. I totally agree with that assessment. Uh, it will shift away from the news feed, so just scrolling up will no longer be the uh, practice of the day. Uh, short videos, video... Interviews video resumes video everything video will become it providing quality content will become the new strategy marketing strategy and it's a good thing it's, it's the power of of TV uh, it's, it's literally like technology is evolving again social media was the uh, postmodern radio and now it's shifting uh, to a more video casting video uh perception video marketing strategy and, and ultimately from that, you know, commercials and, and other things uh of monetary value will become uh of importance. Now that doesn't mean that the memes or, or the news feed or the like or the the catchy uh phrase a quote that goes viral becomes a thing of the past. I believe that as things change more things stay the same, there's just going to be uh, more of everything so you just have a dilution of the pool that currently exists but ultimately it just creates a deeper balance but uh Shadpoor said that he thinks the values of likes will disappear even if instagram doesn't do away with likes altogether by reducing the focus on likes as an indicator of success creators will have more creative control focusing on content and transitioning their content towards video i think this is absolutely Essential, especially when you're trying to understand KPIs, that you need quality content uh, for those influencers out there, and putting out videos, absolutely absolute necessity. And that's just for every organization, not-for-profit, business, whatever, and however you identify this is uh, a key toward your movement. You have to have video. Uh, words are cool. Pictures are cooler. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, the the motion capturing sequence of events has always to me been one of the most effective means of communication this has been a great episode another episode of it is what it is podcast make sure to subscribe like comment uh, just give me a shout out say i like what you're doing don't like what you're doing and if you feel free if you want to support you also can sign up for a monthly subscription but i look forward to connecting with you next time you can follow me instagram at cvmk33 twitter cody's life one connect me on facebook connect me on linkedin look forward to hearing from you all right bye